Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Apostle Paul, in Galatians chapter 3, he speaks almost like a lawyer. He uses a lot of court system vocabulary to sustain that because of the grace of God, we are supposed to be a free people, not a captivated by ritual and religiosity. So he insists with these terms in Galatians chapter 3. But once he comes to Galatians chapter 4, the language he uses is a more paternal, father kind of conversation. He speaks as a parent to his children. And he wants to convince the Galatians that even their relationship will be affected if they will turn back to legalism and religiosity. And honestly, the Galatians, they were looking to grow up, but they were looking to grow up in their own way. But today, the title of my message is Grace Make Us Mature. The way to grow up is not through the law. The way to grow up is through the grace of God. Grace makes us mature. Close your eyes, bow your heads. Holy Spirit, fill this room. Let every member, every brother and sister today, as they receive the message of God, be reminded that what leads us to grow is spiritually. It is not our effort. It is not our religious endeavors. But it is your grace within us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 to verse 11. So today we're going to cover a very good portion of the letter to the Galatians. Okay, so Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 to 11. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods, lower G gods. Verse 9. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Now, Pay attention on that. Every religion in the world is an exterior religion. Every religion in the world has this makeup pretense to hide the reality of the brokenness inside. So the idea of every religion in the world is do such sacrifice. Go to that holy place. Just practice that five wisdom points or bring that specific offering or wash yourself in that holy river or bow seven times before that image repeat that specific prayer or just recite that mantra dress that amulet hold to that symbol touch that special powerful idol every religion in the world has exterior elements however our call comes from a stronger identity. We were once a slave. Pay attention in this sequence now. 
We were in the slave market, being sold as slaves. However, God found us, and he bought us with the blood of the lamb. Come on, somebody. Jesus paid the price to buy us out of the slave market. Now, we were slaves of God. However, as soon as we came inside of God's house, God gave us the writ of emancipation. You are a free slave. I give you the letter of emancipation. You don't need to be a slave anymore. Actually, my writ of emancipation comes together with a birth certification. In other words, I give you and call you to adopt you as a son, as a daughter. Are, are anybody home here with me? Now, there's more. After that, God implanted in our hearts His Spirit. Now, this is important because you could be an adopted child, but you will not feel as part of the family. That's why the Bible says in uh, um, Galatians chapter 4 that God Himself had gave us His Spirit that calls Abba Father. Now, Paul uses this symbol of his spiritual sons to appeal to the Galatians to remain growing up. Look what he says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. The context that we're going to read today. My little children, for whom I'm again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So it's very important to not isolate the verses in the Bible. But read it in a proper context. We're talking about children of God that were trying to grow up on their own effort. Now, we know that we are children of God. But a lot of people, because they are spiritually immature, they do not enjoy the benefits of the heirs. They do not enjoy the inheritance that is rightly part of their sonship. And that's why Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, he says that an heir, as long as he is a child, in other words, a small kid, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. So here, many think that the way to grow spiritually is to turn back to the use of the law. The Galatians thought a mature Christian is more religious Christian. The Galatians thought a mature Christian is a more legalistic Christian. Oh, the way to grow up is if I am a fearful Christian. But Paul is going to insist here in chapter 4 that a mature Christian is a more gracious Christian. Come on. A mature Christian is someone more like Christ himself. A mature Christian is someone that enjoys more freedom and not fearful. So let's touch about four aspects of what means to be a mature Christian. And how grace makes us more mature. Are you guys with me? Anybody home here? Amen? Amen. So give me some feedback, please. So we have to understand that because religion is something totally exterior without the reality of the heart... It leads people into slavery. 
while grace leads us to freedom. We should relate to God as children, not as devout uh, or affiliated to a religion or social club. You know, every ritualistic cult or religion, they require a certain aspects of manners and ceremonies. They, they don't have spontaneity. Now, if you've ever been in a ceremony, even a marriage, a wedding ceremony, or a graduation ceremony, there are some aspects that, uh, uh, that brings that tense feeling of, am I behaving properly in this ceremony? Like every ceremony requires specific manners, some specific behaviors. There is no spontaneity in certain ceremonies. But Christianity is not a religion. And I know we are used to call Christianity like that. That is okay for the outsiders to classify us as part of a religion. But that should never be the standard of our relationship with God. Because religion implies in rituals. Religion implies in certain ceremonies. Galatians chapter 4 verse 9. But now that you have come to know God. Or rather to be known by God. Notice that it, this is a relationship of knowing and be known. How can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles, principles of religion, principles of philosophies of the world whose slaves you once were. Now pay attention because I see this right now. I'm going, I'm studying again. I am a college student. I am a master's uh, student right now. And if you are a college student or if you are postgraduate student, you know that inside of academic environment you don't speak like you speak to a friend there are specific standards of language and communication that you have to use inside academic environment you can't see, simply speak to your teacher everything that comes to your mind as usually you speak to a friend or a family member there are rules and standards the way you're going to write down a work, a paper, a research to uh, your teacher. And this is actually expected. This is good. Nothing wrong with that. This set of norms that allows people to write down their academic research. It is a way to promote advancement in a specific research. So every time I'm writing something to my teacher... I use very academic language. I don't just say, hey, dude, what's up? I just found out that about the Bible. Look what... No, I don't say that to my teacher. Because there, there is a proper way to approach in a language that is supposed to be not be much personal and more. The most important thing in an academic environment is that every time you release a thought, you write down an idea, you have to clarify to your teacher where that idea came from. So it's very important that you put a reference, a citation. Okay, that idea I read from St. Augustine. Oh, in the comments of, of, of Martin Luther in Galatians, he once wrote like that in page 19. 
So I have to make some sort of links. So whoever might read my research can use my research and keep advancing the knowledge. Are you guys following what I'm saying? So this is good. Nothing wrong with that. However, when a person thinks that the way to grow in God is a matter of philosophical expressions or little meticulous rituals, that person is missing the point. Grace make us grow up. It is a matter of know God. Come on, project for me again. Galatians chapter 4 verse 9. It is a matter of know God. It is a matter of ginosko God. The word know here, the verb know here in Greek, it is the word ginosko, where we got the word diagnostics. Ginosko means you know in an intimate way. You know in a personal way. You know deeply that person or object. It is a relational knowledge. Now, God is calling us to know Him in a gnosko way. And when you know your father, you don't talk with your father as you talk to a doctor, teacher in school, as a philosopher. You also don't talk to your God as a priest or a, 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 a patriarch or a holy, distant away person. No, no, you are just who you are. You call him Abba. You call him your father. Are you guys what I'm saying? And grace is inviting us for this kind of relationship. Now pay attention that in the previous verse, verse 8, Paul says, Formerly, you did not know God. Now this other verb know here, this other know here, is not gnosko. The word here is oida. So this is an informal knowledge. It's almost like you say, uh, if I ask you, uh, by any chance, do you know Joe Biden? And you say, yeah, sure, I know Joe Biden. No, no, you don't know Joe Biden. You oida Joe Biden. You just have this informal, decent, and impersonal knowledge of Joe Biden. He's a public figure. He's the president of the United States. So definitely you oida Joe Biden. But you don't have a gnosko knowledge of Joe Biden. Are you guys following what I'm trying to say? Anybody home here? You don't have this, this personal relationship with uh, the president. But now we know. We actually gnosko God. We actually know and we are being known by him. We have a relationship. Now it's interesting because the comparison that Paul is going to use here is the relationship of a servant. Now... Even though you might have that employee, or maybe you are an employee at a specific company, you know that you don't talk to your boss, and you don't expect that your employee talk to you as a boss with a lot of intimacy. Yes or no? Like you expect certain professionalism, certain distancing of language, because there is a kind of um, servant master. I know you are not a slave, but that's the idea here. It's a kind of a slave-master relationship. So you are, uh, Paul is saying, we are not slaves anymore. So as slaves, you are not supposed to be fearful in approaching your dad. Yeah, that, I'm saying like, it is okay for a slave and a master have certain professionalism language between them. 
but not you. You are not a slave. You are a son. Say amen, everybody. You are a daughter. So you say, Pastor, but are you saying that I should not have reverence when I pray to God? Is that what you're trying to say? That when you talk to God, you talk as, you know, as anybody else in the street? Absolutely not. Look, when I call my 60 years old father and I talk to him, I have a way to talk with my dad. There is deference. There is honor. Not fear. There are definitely some proper words that I use with my dad that express my respect. For example, every time uh, I call my dad, immediately comes out of my mouth. Maybe it's just out of tradition, but there is a lot of honor involved. Maybe because my heritage as part of a countryside, a country part of Brazil, I always ask the blessings. Benção, pai, and he blesses me. I always call him. The first phrase I said, I ask his blessing. Benção, pai, and he blesses me. So I, I say this because th there is definitely a way to talk with my dad, but it's not something conscious. It's not because it is part of a ceremony or, or some sort of ritualism. Woe to you if you don't do it. No, no, it just flows as organic, as spontaneity of our relationship. It is spontaneous. It just flows. It's, it's organic. Now, pay attention. I talk to my sixth, five years old dad in a way. But yesterday was my 92 years old grandfather's birthday. He, was, he became 92 years old. So I call him. And do you think I talk to my grandpa the same way I talk to my dad? No. There is even more deference. There is even more honor in the way I approach to him. And definitely more volume in the voice as well. Because I have to speak a little louder. <laughs> but it is, there is respect. There is honor. But again, it is not out of dread. But it is a fruit of my love and respect for my grandfather. Now, let me ask you this. How do you think I should approach my eternal Heavenly Father, though? Now, if, if it is implied that respect and honor, so definitely I'll come to my Father, my Heavenly Father, with even more respect, but never into a slave servant, slave master relationship way I hope you guys got this so but everyone who returns to the religion way to relate to God they trying to please God with their own endeavors will inevitably fall under the accusation and condemnation standard of the relationship this is because no man is capable of keeping the law completely. All religion is a form of slavery. So how does religion enslave us? Galatians chapter 4 verse 10. Paul says, You observe days and months and seasons and years. So every religion person always seeks to appease the wrath of their deity and to gain his favor through good works, rituals, special days, sacrifices. This is the way of religion. 
always trying to please God but never succeeding. Believers who live by the law is still follow the same path. They don't sacrifice animals or even sacrifice their kids to a pagan God in a pagan altar. But they are always looking for a way to please God and to appease His wrath and convince God that He or she is good enough to be blessed. The attempt to receive a financial blessing, for example. So the brother is struggling financially. So he says, you know what? I should resolve this right now. So I will give beyond, above my tithe. So he gives, but he doesn't see the blessings coming. So he thinks, you know what? Maybe I should just give my Isaac. Oh, I will surrender my Isaac. And then he do everything. He gives everything. But suddenly he sees that there is no blessings coming. And he gets himself into that. He feels in the right position how to demand God. And he points his fingers to God. And demands God for a blessing. After all, he had done his part. Notice that this is the same mentality that all religion out there does. They have this exchange relationship with their deity. But there is no relationship of intimacy and love. Look, it would be much easier if you as a son come to your father and say, Daddy, I'm struggling financially. Would you please bless me this week? I really need a miracle. Just be honest. Just cry out to your father. You don't need to give something in order to be blessed. You can ask. James says that. He says, you do not receive because you do not ask. And you do not, you do not ask because we have a wrong asking. C.S. Lewis, in his classic answer to what made Christianity a unique doctrine around all the other religions. When he was asked, what is unique about your religion compared to all others? All the debaters answered, but none could speak a big difference between themselves. It was pretty much the same. They have their rules, they have their laws, they have their sacrifices, they have their parades and processions, they have their uh, five points of wisdom, they have a lot of teachings that were pretty much similar to one another. But when it was time for C.S. Lewis to answer, he turned and said, if I say that the teachings of Jesus and his high moral standard is what makes Christianity unique, it could be that other religious leaders here will claim that their teachers also have high teachings, morals as well. But suppose I say that the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes Christianity a unique religion among all other religions. Maybe someone here is going to say that, yes, they also have their miracles. They also have, you know, signs and wonders in their religion. So I will say, C.S. Lewis saying, repeating, that the only thing that makes Christianity unique is the, is the grace of God. Why? Because in every religion, the good are blessed and the bad are punished. But in Christianity, 
the grace of God reverses this logic. He said, because by the grace of God, God decided to bless the one who does not deserve it and trust God's unmerited favor, this one receives more. The more a man is unworthy and it is aware of this unworthiness, more grace from God he experiences. And I have to say, my friend, the world cannot get that. The world cannot really grasp this. And this is, this, you say, I know this is true, Pastor. Like, I, that, that's so true. And I can't explain. Yeah, because it's beyond the logic of the world. Galatians chapter 4, verse 11. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. So instead of growing in the freedom of Christ, the Galatians have turned to the old bondage of the law. And Paul was perplexed that they preferred the bondage of the law, the religiosity and legalism and ritualism of saving days and specific times, than to live under the freedom of the grace in Christ. That's why Paul going to insist now in verse 12 and on that mature people becomes more gracious. Look what he says, verse 12. Brothers, I entreat you because as I am, I'm sorry, I entreat you become as I am. For I also have become as you are. You did, you did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. Verse 14. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Wow. So this was a very gracious community. The Galatians were very charity community. They're willing to literally give their own eyes to Paul. It seems that he got some sort of malaria or some eyes disease here that prevented him in so many ways. But the Galatians was a very blessing, charity, and giving community. They were in the grace of God. But now that they decided to grow up with their own endeavors, using the way of the law, you know, keeping the appearance of religion, the result is that they lost compassion. The result is that they became a very prodigious and they lack blessedness. Why? What happened here? Now pay attention because this logic is very important. When you start... To rely on your own works for your relationship with God instead of trusting His unmerited mercy, instead of trusting His unexplainable love for you, the consequence is that you start to feel two possible things. Number one, condemnation. I never fit, I never fulfill, I am never worthy of the blessings of God. Oh, I'm so bad. 
Or second, you become extremely prideful, extremely prejudiced person. You compare yourself and you really think you are better than others. Because after all, you had kept the right dates, the right times. You have fulfilled your moral small list that you didn't kill anybody, you didn't smoke, you didn't, you know, steal anything. You, you are such a good, you know, look how, how nice is your hair. You know, even shines in the light. So you're such an awesome person. Glory to you and your ego. And that's the problem of religion. You produce this kind of uh, uh, haughtiness. You know, this kind of pride that, that, that uh, pushes away blessedness. So Paul reminds the Galatians, I became like you. I was a Jew and I became like a Gentile to bring you the gospel. And, I, and while I did that, I never asked you to become a Jew like I was. And now you guys are listening to these religious leaders, these Judaizers and these legalistic preachers. And, and they are requiring things from you. But remember, I never brought such gospel to you. I'm not concerned with days and months and years or rituals. I am only concerned with Christ. And that's why Paul says, be like me. And how was Paul? Who was Paul? We have a glimpse of who he was in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look what he says. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. In order, in order to win the Jews... To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law. That I might win those under the law. 21. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. I love that. That I might win those outside the law. Verse 22. To the weak, I became weak. That I might win the weak, I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Wow. I, I want to I be like Paul. Like just humble and honest. He says, I do all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. His goal was never selfish. He didn't want to be the, the center of attention of the church of Galatians. I want you guys only follow me in Instagram. You guys cannot follow anybody else. You only follow me. You are my followers. Don't even dare to subscribe into Peter's YouTube channel. No, 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 no. You only follow my YouTube channel. No, Paul was not like that. He constantly looked for ways to bless the Galatians. But the problem is that the Galatians were once a gracious people. Now they lost that blessedness because they were walking in a wrong way. Let me prove that. That's why Paul says in Galatians chapter 4 verse 16. Have I then, 4.16, become your enemy by telling you the truth? So here we notice what was the problem. The problem is that the Galatians were listening a mixed gospel. And that's how Paul is going to close his thought here in chapter 4. Uh, the beginning of chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 verse 17. 
I'm reading the Amplified Version, verse 17. There you go. This is the Amplified Version. It says, These men, the Judaizers, eagerly seek you to entrap you with honeyed words and attention to win you over to their philosophy. Not honorably, for their purpose is not honorable or worthy of consideration. They want to isolate you from us who oppose them so that you will seek them. What Paul is trying to say is that mature people walk with other mature people. I'm going to repeat that because this is very important for your spiritual walk. If you don't choose wisely of whom you're going to listen in the YouTube. If you don't choose wisely with whom you're going to actually make part of your life. You will not grow up. So Paul again is not claiming only to himself. He's just saying, look careful with those that try to isolate you from really gospel-centered right influences. And those Judaizers, they want you to not listen anything anymore from me. Let me close with the last thought. Paul aimed one only thing for the Galatians. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. This is an introduction of next week, Mother's Day. Maybe I'm going to have to expound more about that next week. But this is what Paul always desired for the church in Galatia. He desired to see that church Christ-liked, Christ-centered, in the likeness of Christ. Let me invite you to stand up this morning. I wanted to remind you about that. We don't have any hidden agenda here in Vine Church. We don't have any other goal. I'll be very, very honest with you guys. Okay, can I be, can I be pastor right now? For seven and a half years, okay, my son was asking me about that uh, this week. The, the Vine Church Fort Myers was not financially sustainable by itself. Did not have means to pay my salary, to pay the structure we pay. So, I'll say more. In the second year of our church, my little one went to heaven in Fort Myers. I received five offers to go to other cities and maybe restart my ministry. Let me say very honest to you. I have no interest whatsoever. And I know that our leaders, our pastors, in the same spirit, we have no other agenda than to see Christ formed in you. And that's why we preach the gospel. We don't preach other message because there is no other message that forms Christ in you than the message of grace. Believe me. Look, if there was other message that could build Christ in you, it, that message will be the center of the apostolic teaching. But you can't find it. The only message that Peter, James, John, 
Judas. They brought up is one single message. It is the message of justification by grace through faith. With your eyes closed.